Welcome to another spooky comic episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Coverton, and who's with me tonight? I am the walking nightmare, Kenneth Sanity. And I murdered my brother to be here, Chris Dobson. <laughs> and Chris, where do people know you from? I have uh, a couple of podcasts. Uh, I was I was with you on uh, some of my friends read comics, and I also have a bad movie podcast called Your Stupid Mind. Oh, okay. And there will be a link to both of those in the show notes that you will see if you look. <laughs> and before we get too far, I just want to say that we will be talking about murder and serial killers and a little bit about pedophiles and things like that. We're going to get a little some dark subjects. We've just been warned. So also listen to this with headphones, but just want to put that out there before we get too far. All right. Kenneth, since this is completely your pick that I would not have put on the show otherwise, why don't you tell me what we're talking about today? So today we are going to be covering the second full volume of the Sandman series, The Doll's House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fucked up as hell. Oh, it's so good. It is good. It's just I was not expecting it when I came into this. So we haven't I haven't read Sandman for at this point almost two years. We read the first Sandman arc, which I will be plugging in the episode. And I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember I liked it. So when you when you mentioned this, I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do the second, you know, let's do another volume of Sandman. We man as well. I should. I, I should cover more on this show. And I was not like I didn't remember a whole lot. But I, I was not expecting, like, the first issue of this, because this, this Dollhouse art kind of starts in issue 9, which came out in 1989, and it doesn't have anything to do with the later story. It, it's really just a fill-in arc for a completely later arc for some reason, but it's all part of this volume still, which I guess it's just more history on the Sandman himself. Right. Mm, I'd beg to differ. I think it is a pretty appropriate issue for the kind of getting into the idea of what's going on here. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some theme stuff that uh, ties into the ending of this story. But I mean, yeah, it's not it doesn't directly have really anything to do with it. It's kind of a uh, Orpheus kind of thing. We should we should also mention if, since your last episode on Sandman came out, uh, the, the video game Hades came out. <laughs> and I feel like everybody's sort of knowledge of all of these uh, sort of chthonic entities has gone up like a million percent. <laughs> Where you're like, oh, of course, I know these characters. <laughs> so when you're like, oh, this is a real Morpheus story, people are like, oh, of course, Morpheus. Uh, oh, he's in the Hades? <laughs> or Orpheus, I mean, Not this I character, but I mean. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's. It's more of a reverse kind of Orpheus, because, you know, she goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And in Hades, you're basically trying to fight your way out of hell. But you, you learn about the, the sort of complicated relationships between all of these immortal and also sort of, like I said, the, the beings that are not quite uh, gods uh, that are in Hades, like Knight and uh, uh, what's his name? The, the guy that's in the uh, sort of weird dimension. Where it's oh, like there's chaos. These, yes, chaos. Where it's like you've got these other kinds of characters that aren't quite in the sort of normal orbit. And they have certain rules that they have to follow and these things that they can and can't do. And so this, you know, that first story kind of touches on that where they're like, he's not quite a god. He's got different things that make him separate from a god. And th this story goes more into, well this arc more into like the, the other characters. Like I, I know we start off with delirium and desire pretty early. Cause I know we see death at the end of the first arc with Morpheus. Cause Morpheus is the right. Sandman who's in control of all the dreaming. And interestingly enough, when this, uh, when the Dallas house was first published, it started with the story, the sound of her wings also, which one but is the sound of her? 
That was the story with uh, Morpheus and Death from the end of the first volume. Okay, I vaguely remember that. Okay. Yeah, that was the um, the couple first original printing of the Dolls House had that story, but later issues uh, started it with the uh, issue nine, the story of Nada and Morpheus. Okay, which makes sense because, like, I had originally when, when you first mentioned this, I thought Death was going to be in this arc because it ends with Death at the end of the first arc. So I'm like, okay, this arc will be about Death, not at all. But that was my that was my guess coming into this. To not. Yeah. Proved to be true. <laughs> yeah, Death doesn't even really appear at all, does she? Or no. does it or whatever. But uh, Death does it appear. It seems like it would at the end. Yeah, like Death kind of shows up, but in a weird side story that doesn't have a lot to do with the main narrative uh, thrust of this. That Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's, that's a one-off that I'm not... <laughs> I was thinking more at the end of this story, someone does die, but they don't get... Death doesn't show up for them. No, that's... A... Yeah. That's a weird. We'll get there. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about issue nine, but is that Cain Abel in that one scene? They talk about the two brothers who killed themselves. Yeah, that was, well, that was the reference I was making earlier. Okay. Just, so just so the police, I know you, everyone listening, <laughs> immediately call the police. I was referencing that scene. Yeah, so really a hundred people listen to this. So. <laughs> well, I don't want to be swatted by a hundred people. Yes, it's Cain and Abel who, again, this is where the DC comic stuff I didn't know when I first read this. They hosted, God, what was the, they hosted a horror anthology series for DC Comics. I think, was it House of Mystery? It was one of, they had like five different mystery anthologies, but one of them was Cain and Abel. Oh, that's good. That's something I didn't know. That's kind of cool. I never followed a lot of DC Comics until more recently. Right. I had never read, you know, 70s and 60s DC Comics at the time, so I had no idea. Uh, when I read this, but later I found out like, oh, these are existing DC. I mean, he's he's doing a, a very clever thing where he's fitting all this into the DC universe in ways that aren't immediately apparent. But it, you know, when you're paying attention, you're like, oh, wow. So, yeah, House of Mystery. And is that the, the only one? But yeah, that was um, 1968 is their Cain and Abel's first DC Comics appearance. <laughs> Okay, so he, he does pull. I know, like, in the first arc, you had Martian Manhunter for a very small scene. You had Constantine. This, you don't really have any of that, I guess, other than, I think, the Cain and Abel thing. Well, that's... <laughs> we'll get to it, but not okay. true. Nothing jumped yeah, out. there's actually a lot of tie-ins. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, because, like I said, on a reread, I was like, there are tie-ins I did not get at all on the first read. So that's what's okay. fun about rereading something like this. I didn't get uh, Gaiman is clearly, like, a fan of, you know, classic DC comics, but he's also, like, doing this this kind of meta narrative stuff that he likes to do i think the only other thing to mention about issue well i want to wrap up issue nine quick so we can get into the main arc i, I guess the whole idea is that morpheus fell in love with somebody and he wouldn't even know it's morpheus because he looks completely different which i like because he looks like someone from that culture and from that time except for the weird ass alien helmet that's how you know it's morpheus it's a it's still a fucked up story like the whole fact that he falls in love with a mortal who won't love him back because she knows that it'll only end terribly for her. And then like, it's just so fucking weird. Yeah. I mean, like part takes a knife and cuts herself and it's a, it's a fucked up little story. <laughs> I don't know if you have anything else you want to say. I feel like the most important part of this is one sentence in issue nine. Love belongs to desire and desire is always cruel. That one line sets up most of the, co like most of this run immediately afterwards right okay 
And the frame story is you're in this like desert and this, uh, you know, these two people are telling the story and they find like a shard of glass and then it's kind of heart shaped. And so that kind of ties in with the ending, which I thought was very cool. So there's clearly like a plan. It's not like this is just, oh, this is a one off story that has nothing to do with it. Like this is meant to be symmetrical with the ending, even if it's not the the actual same place. Okay. As a guy who's only re- who only read this once, it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but okay. <laughs> So <laughs> it was just kind of, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. From a plot standpoint, it doesn't really have that much to do with what we're about to go into, but it is sort of setting up. These are the themes. These are some of the even settings that you're going to see, but without saying like, this is, you know, kind of what it's about. Uh, I think it's really clever and really, I mean, I, we're the first people to say Sandman is good uh, here <laughs> in 2021. Oh yes, clearly. <laughs> Good okay. storytelling. Hey, as a guy who just finally read this arc in 2021, and yeah, I mean, hey, there are people out there who never experienced Sandman. <laughs> but they're all going to get the chance now because there's been the Audible audio novel that came out where James McAvoy is voicing Morpheus. And that pretty much, I think, tells the story of Preludes and Nocturnes. Yeah. Uh, there is a volume two coming out soon. There's also the Netflix show, which is going to be coming. There's... A lot of Sandman coming in the future. And it's it's weirdly still not on DC's, uh, whatever their unlimited equivalent is called, Infinity, I think. Uh, it's really? not on there, which is weird. But you can you can find a copy at literally every local library you go to. I, oh, I'd yeah. be shocked if they don't have, you know, a copy of Sandman. Like, I feel like it's been a fixture even before, like, you know, libraries really started collecting uh, comics. That was uh, the first way I read the entire run, actually, was my local library had all 12 volumes. Yeah, that's some fucked up stories for a, a library to have. But... <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I mean, that's I know, I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a 741.5 back before they had like teen sections of comics was where you had to go to find these things. So, yeah, let's <laughs> let's go on to issue uh, number 10, which is where we actually start the, the doll's house proper. Which I didn't understand how this starts off. So this starts off with a character with their heart looks like their heart showing, which is, and they keep. I want to say which this is uh, not this is delirium, right? That they're talking to. Desire. No, desire. desire. Yeah. Okay. And this and, is a statue. This is like a large. Oh, okay. Statue. I thought it was a person. I was really confused yeah. at this first part because they keep. I also want to say they keep saying he and she, like they keep changing who Desire is. That's the thing. Desire is very much androgynous non-binary presents as both you know male and female they're basically the them pronoun before it was a thing which i thought was really cool like i i, I like this i i was as much confused i was i like the scene where you see desire walking and you see the artifacts from morpheus which i also thought was interesting that stupid helmet again even i didn't know what the hell was going on i thought it was very interesting <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's, you're, this is kind of Desire's world versus we've seen Morpheus's world, which is kind of like, you know, again, it's kind of like the the House of Mystery in DC Comics. He has like a spooky castle with a raven and a bunch of like little friends and Desire is basically just by themselves. And they've got, you know, kind of a monument to themselves. And then they, they've got sort of their little spooky watching, uh, you know, area. It was okay. That makes more sense. I was really confused, like what was going on. I had no idea where they were, what was happening. But okay, you that makes more sense now. I'm less confused. Yeah. Well, and it, there's not there isn't like Stanley narration bubbles. It's like meanwhile and just desires. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> in the halls of justice. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, this is um, really cool because the whole point of all these little totems are representative of the other endless desire siblings. So you got the Ankh, which is death. You have the book, which is destiny. The helmet, obviously, is going to be dream. And uh, she pulls out the fish hook ring, which I'm sure has a more appropriate name, but that's what I'm going to call it. And that's the sigil of desire's twin despair. Yeah, so I guess that Buddha approves of desire and despair being linked together. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And, and you're making this make more sense to me as we're talking about it. It's making me enjoy it more because I was just so freaking confused that I didn't get what the hell was going on. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and this is a book, you know, there's lots of comics that are just a fun, you know, you can read lots of Spider-Man comics where it's like there wasn't anything you missed. You got it all. There's a lot to miss in these books on a first read. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. missed a lot. <laughs> A like lot I was of really subtext. confused how then it jumps to a girl on a plane with her mother, uh, Rose Walker, I think is her name. Like this, like, yes. I was just like so confused. Like they're just they're going there. I think are they looking for their brother at this at this point? They don't really know why they're going to England in the first place, but okay. they're 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 going to England because there's some kind of emergency thing. And they don't know, I guess, we, I mean, should we talk about the, the kind of twist of this or should we wait until the end? Because either way, people will be spoiled by what's happening. I will wait to the well, end. Okay. Yeah, I think it's probably best that we just take things as they come. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so Rose falls asleep and starts, we cut to Dream as she's, oh. like, seeing Dream uh, so that's doing what- stuff. That was, so, I mean, because like they, they did the comic book thing that I didn't like because I was reading this on a phone where they like you have to read upside down or not. You have to read sideways. And I couldn't turn my comic that way. <laughs> so I, mean, I could have turned off the auto rotation on my phone. But OK, I wasn't sure where she was because I saw the characters that looked familiar, like that vaguely remember them from the first volume. OK, I didn't realize she was entering the dreaming with Sandman. Right. Yeah. She's yeah. falling asleep in the car and then because she's already having these kind of crossover dreams. And then so she's doing it again. And so, you know, the who was it? Was it I forget which character is doing the little uh, list of stuff that's missing. But as ah, they're going Lucian. through it, Lucian, yes, as they're going through it. So I guess we should mention the characters that are missing because they all come back. So I... there's Brute and Glob. So and again, we'll we'll talk more oh, about them when okay. we get to them. Then there's the Corinthian, who obviously is a pretty you know major character in the story. And then there's Fiddler's mm-hmm. Green, which is, I guess, just a concept that has wandered off. Wow, this one didn't make any sense to me. Like I was reading this, and I even though I read this in a couple of days, it didn't make sense. It it did it just clicked now that the people he mentioned that are missing come back in the story. Like I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally all of them show up by the end of uh, this storyline. Wasn't Glob yeah. in the first arc? I don't think so. Okay, I think they're maybe. just, yeah, I think they're, well, maybe he was. But, I mean, they're from something else, which I'll talk to, talk about when we get to it. Okay. Yeah, the Corinthian was, that was, I didn't notice the way he looked at first until later. You know, they even have a little, like, panel for each one of these characters that are missing that come up later in this arc. Yeah, none of that clicked on me when I read this. When they talked about it later on, none of it clicked. <laughs> I guess I and there's attention. there's a whole reason that Lucian is going around and doing this inventory because in the first one Dream was imprisoned and now that he's back in the dreaming he just kind of wants to make sure that everything is all set up and where it should be but yes as we mentioned there are four entities that are missing right. so this is when Rose gets to some giant mansion in England if I remember correctly and the woman they meet is their grandmother 
was her grandmother. Right. Yes. And she was one of the people that fell asleep from the first arc when Green was missing, right? Correct. Okay. That cause I, if I remember correctly, there's one woman that they like focused on that I thought had got pregnant and had a kid while she's sleeping, which is fucked up. But I can't remember that. Which that's what I thought Unity. Maybe this was. That's yeah. That's the grandmother. That okay. is Unity. Okay. That's okay. And that's that's the one they're talking to right now in the in this book, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Wow. I did not put that together. And there's there's clues about who the father is when she goes to the the giant doll's house uh, that's in her room. Uh, there's a little figure that people think is Dream, uh, but it's not him. Oh no! This whole thing, like I didn't understand what was happening. Like she sees three different women, a witch, blonde, and like an old woman in a wheelchair. I did not understand what was going on. Was that dreaming? That is. Oh, I forget the proper name, but like so the in, yeah, uh, yeah. In the comics, they're called the Kindly Ones. In myth, yes. they're called uh, the Furies normally. Or oh, okay. Like, whatever okay. the Greek term for it is, it's Furies. Percy right. Jackson taught me that too. It starts with an E, but whatever it is, yeah, they're the the thing that show up if you know you commit whatever kind uh, crimes against your family or things of that nature. And yes, they're there. Uh, you got the. Uh, the mother, the crone, and I guess the you know good-looking one. Yeah, the maiden, the mother, and the crone, the uh, triple goddess that shows up a lot in uh, a lot of neo-pagan religions. Okay. It's just such a weird, like, I was just so confused. And like they're, they're, and, they, and when you see that giant dog ho- dollhouse, that does look like Morpheus in the window. Like, I think I saw it, and I thought it was Morpheus. I didn't read right. that somebody else. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not spoiling we'll it. Get there. But it's not okay. some, It's not dream in the window. <laughs> but it's not reference to all their arcs, right? No, yeah, it's at the end of this arc you find out what's going God, on. I, I, I don't <laughs> know where the hell I was, and I read this book. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then I guess is is the yeah the end of the first uh, 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 the end of the issue. Then is the we find out, and I don't think it's a spoiler, but the current what the Corinthians been up to because it does say the Corinthians, so that's not a spoiler. But he's he's murdering people. Okay, this is that's where it got a little oh, yeah. fucked up. Was this page where you see? Some guy who's a murderer, and you see a woman that's tied up in a bathtub and about to be killed. Oh, uh, that's not a that's not a woman. Yeah, that's a oh, guy. That's a guy. Okay. That's a dude. Yep. Oh, it looks okay. Yeah. <laughs> about to get oh, killed. Oh boy! And the best thing is that during this whole Corinthian scene, you see it play out first person, which right. just kind of gives you that more of an immersion in it. You're seeing thing through the well through the Corinthian size, and then he takes off. The glasses and Davy, the gentleman in the tub, just says, "Oh no, no, oh no," and then you see the knife. It, yeah, that's when I was like, "Okay, what the fuck are we reading?" Yeah, it is. I mean, I, it is the horror element. I, I, I will say, the Corinthian is like my least favorite part of all this. Like, it's just it's a little much. And the Corinthian is my most favorite part of this. <laughs> so, good yeah. choice of guess here, Mike. Like, even yeah. cover two. That's when I was kind of like, because it looks like a, a, a guy with hooks stabbed into him. And then you have a pair of scissors just sitting on a table nearby. Like, it's a, these are some really weird covers. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure Dave McKean did the, did these covers. Uh, he did at least some of them. I don't know if he did all of them. Yeah, like this one feels like a Dave McKean cover. I mean, he's here as an artist under in the creative team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we didn't mention the creative team. There's there's a bunch of uh, really good artists. Uh, the the two that I guess jumped out to me that I recognize were Sam Keith was one, 
And then Chris Batchelor, who had a big Marvel career, you know, after this was one where I was like, oh, I recognize his early work where he's a little he's more cartoony than some of these other artists. OK, I, I, I don't read a whole lot of comics. I never names that really jump out to me. I know Neil Gaiman, but that's it. Uh, Chris Batchelor had he had a run on Spider-Man about ugh, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. And then he did Generation X was the thing that like I first noticed him as a kid where I was like, oh, he has like a very distinct style where he doesn't draw people. I mean, he, he's kind of a cartoonist in in a way where he, he draws people that look very distinct, which Sandman's a good book for that because Sandman's, you know, a dream always looked very unique. Mm-hmm. All the incarnations of dream <laughs> yeah he always has to be very extra so yeah let's i guess let's keep going so the issue 11 <laughs> is uh you it's... mentioned that the cover uh now we are i guess meeting this this cast of odd characters so, at roses is this a different house that she moves into and not the same house she was in the earlier right no she's right. now the... in florida okay <laughs> and, and rose has come here to find her brother jed Okay, I did not like the cast of characters in this house because they were just so. Like, you have Barbie and Ken, which are like a happy couple that mm. I didn't like them. You had Zelda and what was her name? The other one, Chantal, who are covered in like with have like dead spiders on them and stuff. Yeah, it's... they're wearing veils. They're very mysterious. Only Chantal talks. Zelda doesn't really speak much. And then who's the other guy that they that introduced right here? I'm trying to find his name really fast. Hal. He's just like a normal guy, right? Essentially. Hal Carter. Um, normal guy, drag queen. I mean, relatively. Does a, yeah. Well, normal compared to the, the characters you just met, because Barbie yes. and Ken are just like way too smiling. Look like they really were. A bar- I thought it was gonna be a Barbie Ken doll came to life or something. That's all I was expecting. Yeah. Not what happened, but I was expecting it after reading this book. They're a little too perfect, and there's also mention of Gilbert on the top floor. Barbie, it's been years since I read Sandman. She does come back, right? She has, like, a whole storyline later, doesn't she? I feel like she does. Like, there's, I mean, it's, it's been... It, it's sort of hinted at at the end of the series where, like, she has basically, like, a, a He-Man-type cat talk to her in a dream. Yes. And it's just like, oh, she's having some kind of, like, Narnia-type story. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think she I think shows up again in um, a game of you. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so it's it's kind of, but and then the idea we find out from either Dream or Matthew or somebody that it's like Rose is a vortex, so she's like attracting all these dreams like to her. All these weirdos, people that have like something wrong with them, are like just kind of sucked into her orbit. Okay, is that found out here? Uh, I think it's you see, you see Matthew looking through the window and then later he talks to dream about it. OK, because, yeah, you see the Raven and this is when you get the this really confused me. You get a page of in the land of marvelous dreams where you see a little kid with like a hero who's calling himself the Sandman. You see God what the hell are those two names, the green and purple guy. Uh, Groot and, and yes. Yeah, this was those really things. weird to me. Like I was just so confused. And then when it when it gets to reality and you see this little kid, this kid locked up in a basement and he's peeing on the in the basement and all of a sudden, you know, and there's like a line here where the smell that rises from the hole makes him gag. And I'm just like, what the fuck are we reading? And <laughs> it was just I mean, I understood what was happening. You know, he was in this dream world. I didn't understand why some guy was calling himself Sandman 
Right. So, and again, so that's the part where if you know Bronze Age uh, comic, you you kind of know more about what's going on because this is this is Jack Kirby's Sandman, Garrett Sanford, uh, 1974 uh, six issue series about. I mean, it's literally. I mean, this is just from the Sandman. Let's see. He's assisted by two living nightmares named Brood and Glob, whom he releases from domed cells with the help of a magic whistle. The Sandman's main task is protecting children from nightmare monsters within their dreams, especially one one young boy named Jed who lives with his grandfather. So it's like literally that's the what they're referencing, like the the little boy, uh, the Sandman, like the costume and everything like it's literally this is all taking, uh, but in, instead of being done in the style of Jack Kirby, it's it's done more in the style of like uh, Kurt Swan Superman, where it's like very like child. Actually, I'd say even before Kurt Swan Superman, it's done more in the style of like 1920s, you know, like uh, Little Nemo. Okay. Yeah, which is really appropriate considering that right. it's, you know, right. dreamy. <laughs> Nemo in Slumberland. Yeah, I get it. Okay, and now as I'm reading this book for the second time, or skimming through over talking, so this is when you have Rose is typing up a letter to her mother, and then the the person that walks in that was the the person that you guys said was a dread queen. Yes. Yep, that's how. Okay, that didn't click. Dolly. <laughs> okay, okay, and then this is where okay, and then there's one little thing that I didn't either catch where she's looking at a newspaper says local man dies in two car smash up or something and lives eight and leaves eight year old son. Okay, that's the whole thing about Jed. Talked about the grandfather. Yeah. Okay. I don't well, know. Some of this um, just didn't click right away. Like, as we're talking about it, it's making a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sandman is a weird story, too. Like, And this is where you then jump to the dream, and Morpheus is talking to, like, different bodies or something. Oh, this is where he mentioned the Vortex? Yeah. This is where he's uh, reminding Matthew the Raven that he has to keep an eye on Rose, um, and he's working on creating a new nightmare. Which is important. Oh, he's creating a nightmare? Yep. Okay. Yeah, Dream is, uh, Dream has to create a nightmare. And the Corinthian was the nightmare, but the Corinthian's oh, okay. gone now. And that's what escaped. Yeah. Okay. And this is where you didn't see Rose walking in a dark alley right. and she gets attacked by a bunch of thugs. And I just noticed now as I'm flipping through the panels, one of the guys has a swatchika on his back of his shirt. Yep. I did not catch that before. And then she gets saved by a guy named Gilbert, which is a big green guy or a big guy in a, in a green coat. <laughs> References. And Gilbert's the guy that lived upstairs that they mentioned earlier. And with the fedora and the Inverness cloak, my first thing was like, oh, it's Darkman. Darkman. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's not. Uh, Gilbert is uh, quite rotund. <laughs> he and he's man. definitely not Liam Neeson. Uh, and just the part where, like, you see the kid dreaming again, and then all of a sudden he wakes up because he's getting bit by a rat. Like, in the dream, he gets, you know, he has little things around him. I mean, that was just, I don't know, this stuff hit me hard. Like, I was like, oh, this this was hard to read. Yeah. Everything with a kid. I didn't, I mean, it, it this this story gets, is kind of, I mean, like, I like how you had the raven, like, steals a picture, which, again, is, you know, because bringing it to Morpheus, which I thought was interesting. Like, you know, he's, he's trying to he's trying to help him with Jed. Then you get a scene where you see somebody dialing a phone and you see eyeballs next to the phone. So many eyeballs. Oh, this I was like, again, as I've said this before, I was like, what the fuck did you guys have? Did he have me? Made? And all of a sudden you just see two bodies tied up and, he, and they're missing their eyes. Oh, God, I was like, this story was hit. <laughs> 
Yeah, this issue definitely has some of the more brutal stuff uh, of, you know, this arc. It's a, a lot of it's right here. There's some in, in the next, well, I guess not the next one, in mm-hmm. two issues from here. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff to happen. Like, I, I know Rose and Gilbert, Gilbert joins Rose to go find her brother because I think she has a lead or something. Yep. And he's uh, sticking with her as in his role as amateur knight errant. So he's basically the muscle on this expedition. Okay, this is when Morpheus also figures out that the jet has been cut off from the dreaming, from the true dream. By Brute and Glob, yes. Okay. And this is when he puts on the stupid alien mask again and then leaves. And then we get the issue. How dare you? I don't like the mask. I don't. (laughs) It just reminds me of Alien. So I was really Uh, confused when issue 12 starts. So maybe you guys can help me with this. Where you see a pregnant lady walking in some place, which I guess she's in the dream. She's talking about her wife, Hector, her husband, Hector, which is the fake Sandman with Brutus and Glob. Is she somebody of, of importance or anything? Or is she just a dream, too? As usual, even the smaller characters in Sandman will show up again. And okay. Hippolyta Hall here uh, is going to show up. Again. Okay. This okay. I was so confusing to see like the little sphere inside like a purple dome or in a purple like world and they're in this little I mean it reminded me of, like the Justice League in space and I was just really confused and then it jumps to showing Jed getting his ass beat by these people who adopted him or are just using him to get their eight hundred dollars a month so they talk about in here and then they lock him in the basement. I, yeah, that's his uh, that's Jed's aunt and uncle. Oh, okay. I thought they were just some people who just took him in. I didn't realize it was actually family. No, that and makes again, it even worse. Yeah. Again, like they mentioned his grandfather had died. And so that the grandfather was in the Jack Kirby Sandman series. Like he lived with his uh, grandfather. So it is like it's fitting sort of into continuity. But they're like, oh, the grandfather's been dead. And now he's living with these folks who are terrible. God, they're horrible people. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, also $800 is not that much money. But maybe <laughs> well, now it's not. No, not at all. Wouldn't even cover. Yeah. Wouldn't even cover rent in my old one-bedroom apartment anymore. But it just, yeah, it, it it's so weird. I mean, I was just so weird, and it, it really hit me. And like, I just, ugh. and then you see, I think Sandman then goes to to confront Brutus and Glob, Glob or Glob, whatever mm-hmm. his name is. is. That what was going on here, right? Yeah. I think because it well, jumps around a bunch. Yeah, Morpheus is trying to get to Jeb. Okay, because. He's very important in the grand scheme of things. That's the one that Matthew brought him the picture of. And he's been cut off from the dreaming. So he's trying to go stop him. And this is where they send out the other Sandman to go fight Morpheus. Okay. And this is also where you see Roses and Gilbert. The car breaks down and they head to a hotel for a serial convention. And they and I didn't catch this right away. Like I didn't catch serial convention. I didn't catch how they didn't want them to stay. They're like only guests here are allowed to be here. And they're like, we'll stay in our room. We'll we'll behave. And he's like, eh, fine. And none of it clicked. Like I had no idea where this was going whatsoever until it got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and again, like this is all fitting into the silver, the Bronze Age Sandman because his thing was he's trying to stop this dream wizard from making nightmares for children. So he thinks oh. he's protecting the child, but actually. What you dream is like, what are you doing? Like, ridiculous. And he's like, I'm the Sandman. And Dream has a pretty funny scene where he cracks up when he's like, is that what they told you? Is he a real person or is he something they created? So so again, like he's he was a real person. 
but they've kind of created this dream world uh, that's separate from like dreams dream world. Okay. Uh, so as we find out, this isn't even the original Sandman that was doing this. That guy's dead. And the guy who's <laughs> spoiler, well, it's spoiler for this issue, uh, Hector Hall also dead. Okay. And the really interesting thing that I thought was cool is that right before like Hector and Morpheus get into it, you cut back to Lita like walking down the stairs and you can kind of see the world's falling apart as Morpheus is coming into contact with Hector, who is living in this area. So this is where Brute and Glob realize, okay, we got caught. We're busted. (laughs) And so he leaves. So after Sandman goes and he kind of rescues Jed because he breaks into the house and Jed escapes from the basement, he leaves the girl he took out of the dream, right? And just leaves her there in the house. Yep. Okay. But and not like, before. By the way, you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, you're pregnant, and that kid's mine. <laughs> okay, that. All right. It's and that kid becomes extremely important. It's it's definitely it doesn't make a lot of sense as far as like saying you know dream is always a little unknowable, but here's what, one scene where you're like, really, dude? Like that's what you're gonna do? I also didn't catch when the kid leaves. And he gets in the car. Like, I had forgotten that this had happened, I think. And the car he gets into was, is, is the Corinthian. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch that either. Because later on, he shows up a little bit later. And I was like, how the hell did he get there? Now I now it makes more sense why he ends up where he does. Yep. The Corinthian's fucked up, by the way. Oh, I love the Corinthian so much. And if isn't, like, issue 13, so part four of this dollhouse, right, isn't it kind of like an... This is very a, a like a one-off story where it doesn't it's part of the arc, but it doesn't really feel like it's part of the arc because it has nothing yeah. to do with what or most of it doesn't nothing to do with you're going, what's going on. Yeah, this is this is an interlude. This is you know you, we've got this very suspenseful scene where he just got picked up by a a guy who we know is a serial killer who targets <laughs> young men, and he just picked up like a ten year old boy. So you're like, oh no, and then it's like we're not going to address that at all. Let's uh, go back to the 14th century and see what's going on there. I was surprised with this art or not this art, but this story. Like I was so, you know, like you said, you, you get dropped in. I'm like, what the hell am I reading? Where it just shows Sandman is at a bar with someone else. Is that supposed to be death or desire? That's death. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's wearing the little onk. Oh, okay. I didn't yep. catch that. I see what you mean now. And this is where they, this guy talks about, he, you know, you don't have to die if you just choose not to. And this is where they give him, they give him immortality. I'm assuming. Yep. Okay. Good old Hop Gadling. He you will back, see it. him again. Yeah. I mean, we see him at the end of this issue, but yes, he come, he's kind of an important character to the, the greater Sandman story. And, and this is definitely, I mean, this is a really good story, but this is the kind of story that like, just as a one-off, you can just like hand to your literature professor and be like, see, comics are good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's it, talking to Jeffrey Chaucer and he's <laughs> talking to Will Shakespeare. And... Yeah. <laughs> it's cool, it's very but, like, like yeah, it's very like uh, it really wants to hit all the points, but I, I it's a good story. I mean, I'm, I'm it sounds like I'm trashing it. I'm not. Where every hundred years they agree they'll meet and they keep showing up to the same bar to meet. And I like how their you know their costumes change because you know the eras have changed, the building has changed, but there's always still a there's always still a bar in this one spot, which I thought was interesting. And I, I liked it. And I like how you see him go from in some in some centuries Hob is doing great, in some centuries he's broken down and poor and lost everything and. The costumes keep changing because I, I really liked it. Like it was much. I was confused. Like, what the hell am I reading? Why is this all of a sudden this arc here? But 
it was very cool. Like there's one part where somebody tries to kill them because they realize that somebody, you know, that every year these weird people meet and talk. Right. And then isn't this when he kind of like shows you his power? Like he pretty much kills them or he does something very bad to them. <laughs> right. Well, basically and just before that, <laughs> yeah, he drives him crazy. Uh, but before that, there's uh, the scene where, like you mentioned, uh, Will, Will Shakespeare is talking to uh, Kip Marlowe and he's like, oh, if only I could write plays as good as you. And he's like, well, you never will. You're a loser who everyone hates. And Sandman's like, let me talk to this guy for a second. And he does. And nobody ever heard of Will Shakespeare again. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, it, I do think, you know, I think it works in this case because. Midsummer Night's Dream is such a like Shakespeare, you know, famous Shakespearean thing. And the idea that like he get he touches this guy and that helps him connect to this dream dimension thing. I think mm-hmm. it works OK. I will say Neil Gaiman goes to this well like a thousand percent too much. <laughs> like he like I don't know if you, if you all have read Eternals that he did for Marvel. Yeah, there's a scene where there's a there's a one Eternal that always looks really young and he's like. I like flew around in front of J.M. Barry, and that's how Peter Pan was created. And I was like, come on, man, stop doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just every uh, Gaiman book. He's like, and that famous guy also saw this character where it's just like he he goes to that well a little too often. I do think it works for Shakespeare. That's the one where I'll be like, okay, that's fine. And this isn't even the last time Shakespeare shows up in the Sandman run. No, yeah, the the Midsummer Night's Dream issue. I think we covered that for our show. It seems like we we may have, but I love that issue. That's a really good one. It is. It's real fun. But I'll, I'll be reading more Sandman on this show. I'm, that's happening 100. <laughs> I need to read more. And I think the only other thing, like the the arc, like I like how they kind of jump around and it shows them like in present day they meet again, which I thought was cool that the guy's still alive. And this time Sandman dressed all, you know, they're they're meeting in a mall and stuff. I thought that was cool. And it turns yeah. out Dream just really does want a friend. Yeah, yeah. they kind of have a fight in the 1890s or whatever. or 18, Yeah, 1890, I guess. And then Dream kind of blows up at him because uh, Hobbs is like, I think you always want to meet me because uh, you're lonely. And he's like, no, I'm not. I hate you. And then 100 years later, he comes back and is like, oh, we're friends. That was cute, though. <laughs> One of the that. most important characters in here, though, that we just kind of glossed over was Lady Joanna Constantine. Oh, that's true. Oh, she's she's the lady that tries to, to kill him. Uh, right? Kill Morpheus, yeah. And is that like supposed to be his grandmother or something for Constantine? Uh, that is a direct descendant of jo- okay. of John Constantine, yes. Okay, I or figured jo- it was something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ancestor, right? Yeah, yeah. John is a descendant of Joanna. Okay, right. that's cool. I figured that's what they were going for. Oh, yeah. I glossed over it. Not the last time a Constantine will show up. <laughs> right. And he, uh, Hob mentions, he's like, I knew her, like, grandfather. Like, there was, I had a weird encounter with, like, ghouls or something. So you're like, okay, yeah. so you there's another Constantine who's some kind of monster hunter. Yep. Jack Constantine was before Joanna. Yep. So <sighs> also knows that guy somehow. And he also mentions, who's the other one? Uh, he mentions another DC immortal that he's like, yeah, I've run into that guy a few times. Uh, I don't remember off the top yeah. of my head. I can't remember which one. It's not the uh, the caveman immortal. It was uh, maybe I don't remember. I don't either. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's like, yeah, there's other DC immortals out there, aren't there? And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so th- then then it jumped back with issue 14 back into the into the doll halls. And this is where like 
so the first page you see it says welcome to the serial convention and you just see a bunch of weirdos start showing up and i thought i did not realize what was happening yet because you know they're just coming there they're talking you have like you know they all have like none of them are going by their real names they all have just these weird names like family man and just just odd stuff that didn't really like i didn't cl- i did not know where this was going at first <laughs> like nimrod and Okay, I didn't even catch some of the stuff that they were, like, there's so many hints, like, one of the guys there looks like a sheriff is reading a, a magazine that says bondage time on it and stuff. Well, that's okay. just the hotel manager. Yeah, that's, like, oh, okay, he's... that's not one of the weirdos, all right, he's just another weirdo. Yeah. But the guy, the guy he's in the glasses. He's just a regular weirdo. The guy in the glasses is, like, a police sketch of somebody famous. Is Who's he supposed to be? Um, was it, like, Zodiac, maybe? It, like, there's some famous sketch of a of a serial killer that he's very clearly supposed to be modeled after. I'm not a okay. serial killer guy, so I don't know. I, yeah. I know a decent amount. But I think it is interesting that he chose the name Nimrod, which before it was an insult, was one of the great hunters from the Bible. Oh. Yeah, okay. it's Bugs Bunny is the reason that people think Nimrod <laughs> means stupid person. Yep. <sighs> stupid bunny. This is when it shows Rose and Gilbert are at the hotel, and he tells her the weird-ass story about uh, Red Riding Hood. For some reason. Oh, yes. The uh, the original Grimm's fairy tale version. Yeah. Yikes. It's, I'm like, okay, that was kind of fucked up. And then it just, it fits everything. And I also like the the big fat guy who's sitting at the table, one of the, at the serial convention, has a picture of a wolf on his shirt, which again, is they're referencing what's going to happen, come up later. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, none of it clicked. They're like, "Oh, where's our guest of honor, the 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 family man?" And they, there's some guy called the lip collector. And just like none of it was clicking for me right away. Oh, the candy man! Like nothing clicked. And all of a sudden, you know, the Christine shows up. Like I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> what kind of cereal does he have? I mean, it still it still didn't click. When I call like, oh, you, were collectors, and I think it was starting to like. And then it then it shows you a panel with like the American flag and all these different weird faces of people, and it says the collectors. I think that's when it went. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I think I understand what's happening now. And and the reason, you know, there's not again, there's not like Stanley chiming in in the corner. The reason the Family Man isn't there is because he had just been in a, a Hellblazer storyline because oh. <laughs> it is a Constantine character, the Family Man. That's mm-hmm. cool. And it also, like, the next page, when it, when it shows Nimrod, and it talks about Nimrod having a shack in Vermont and cutting somebody up, I, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it's just, like, I think it's interesting, too. Like, they're just talking about how they kill people and stuff, and they're just, you know, like, ah, you know. Nobody does any collecting during the convention and stuff. Like, it's just, it was interesting to me. It's honestly ridiculous. <laughs> it is one of the most ridiculous things that there would be something so mundane as a serial killer call a convention. But yeah. at the same time, you kind of got to wonder, are there? Especially in the 80s and 90s when things were less, we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have it, and the internet was just starting. I mean, it, you know, wouldn't have been something that people were like, wait a second, let's take a picture of this. You know, it wouldn't be the world we live in today. So you could see it. I could see it happening in, in, in this time, in this era. Okay. I mean, I think it's, I'm like, I, I'll, I'll allow it only because I'm like, dream has been gone. This is the DC universe. Things are crazy. But this is to me, I'm like, this is a little much. I, I didn't like this. You know, I get it. It's funny. And it was funny too. Like they have a film program and it's also like they have a manhunter, the collector, all this stuff. I'm like, this stuff is all, this is all really easy choices. There's no like last house on the left or like 
anthropomagus or whatever it is. Like, there's none of the stuff that I'd be like some some really out there things. Their film uh, program's pretty uh, meat and potatoes. It is, but it's all depictions of killers of, of and killers. glamorizing them. So right. it's all got to be easy choices. They're not going to pay play like uh, God. What is it? Like fade into black or anything? Like it's. It's not artsy stuff. This is very much mass marketed portrayals of serial killers in which they're glamorized. And I think there's one random guy that they're talking to who (laughs) asked for their autograph or something. (laughs) And like they realize that he's not like I know he's this guy like you find out shortly after he's pretending to be a serial killer, but he's actually a reporter. There's some interesting scenes like there's one scene where which I didn't catch this at the time. And now it makes sense where they where Rose and Gilbert are in an elevator and then Corinthian gets in the elevator with him and he covers his face like he might recognize him. Mm-hmm. And, and he I is terrified of the yes. Corinthian. Because he knows who he is. Yep. And real quick, before we get too much further, while we're still in the very much meat of it all, I want to say that when I first read this, this was years ago, I saw the Corinthian and I immediately said, you know what? If they ever do a movie, it's got to be Tom Cruise. Just because yeah, of the for- way he smiled. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And then he did the movie Collateral, where he had white hair. And I said, yes, absolutely, Tom Cruise has to be the Corinthian. (laughs) Uh, I forgot about that movie. (laughs) Even now, I will still say Tom Cruise as the Corinthian. (laughs) I think he might be a little too old now. But yeah, (laughs) I I definitely see that casting. I also like one of these uh, serial killers who's like just one of these like ranting and raving guys. Very clearly looks like he's uh, modeled after Alan Moore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a a huge, crazy beard. And he's like, I'm a merciful God. (laughs) I didn't get a new life in my head. He's got the X carved in his head. Very Charlie Manson, but very much an Alan Moore beard. (laughs) Because uh, Guyman and, and Moore would have worked together in uh, 20,000 AD in Marvel UK. Okay. Oh, I see what you mean now. Yeah, that does look like Alan Moore. And I think the uh, the reporter says he's the boogeyman. I think that's a uh, Swamp Thing uh, villain. Oh. Yeah, it seems to bring back some memories there. I've never, I've read very, very little Swamp, swamp Thing. And it's after, wow. when they're leaving the oh, hotel, Gilbert then yeah. gives her the, the piece of paper that has Morpheus' name on it. And tells yeah, her if, if you get trouble, call his name. Yeah, if you want more horror to read next year, definitely check it out. That that stuff is very <sighs> upsetting and very good. Alan Moore's run of Swamp Thing is just mm, paramount. And this is when they they throw that reporter in a room and realize, and, and they kind of tell him that, like, yeah, we know who you are. They they knock him out and load him in a car. And this is another fucked up scene where they tie him to a tree, and they're all going to take turns murdering him. Oh, man. Just yeah. creepy, creepy, creepy. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's it's fucked up. And they, and they each say what each person is going to do. Mm-hmm. The doctor stuff. likes to skin people. Nimrod's a hunter. He can bone joint and gut any animal in minutes. And the Corinthian. Well, we know the Corinthian likes eyes. It's, it's, it's fucked up, but it just gets worse. Like when you see that they're having a disco and Rose ends up trying to walk into the disco and the big the big fat guy we saw earlier with the wolf on his shirt stops her and he says something about, oh, you look younger, Re- much younger. I mean, that's also just fucked up, too, you know, and because he I guess he killed little girls, I'm assuming is what this was referencing. 
That's what he murders. Yes, he is apparently a serial killer and appears to be a pedophile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a little messed up. And and then you see somebody dead who they're talking about, the different killers there. And you have, like, the guys driving back in the truck and their shirts are all bloody, the Corinthian them. And then when Rose goes to her room, she sees the Gilbert's gone. And at some point, I'm just flipping through the pages right now to see when that. Oh, yeah, at one point he bursts into her room to kill her. The big fat guy does. I don't remember his name. Yep. Funland. Funland. Oh, God. It's not fun. Don't call no. him fun. He gets pissed. It's Funland. Yeah. yeah it reminds a... me of that, that video game store, Funko Land. Yeah. What do you think this is? Funko Land? <laughs> yeah. He shows up. He's very bad. Uh, and then she says Morpheus's name, uh, which summons him, apparently. Which I, oh, yes. I like that. That was cool. And he, I think he, I'm assuming, yeah, and then he sends him into a dream. I'm assuming endless sleep. Yeah. Well, oh, I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, he's lost his mind. <laughs> okay. Which I like that. That's what Sandman does. And he rescues her. And then I like how Sandman shows up at the convention and starts talking to Corinthian. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not happy to see Tom Cruise. <laughs> I like it too. It, it's a fun scene because Corinthian's like, I, oh yeah, like let's fight. And he pulls out a knife and Sandman's just like, no, man, that's not what, how this what works. Are you we're doing? not, we're, yeah, like we're not going <laughs> to shoot laser beams at each other. Like I'm like this primitive force of consciousness. You can't fight me. I and this is when you. he takes off the glasses and you just see his eyes are just teeth. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. Up. This whole, and I also, I don't think I, ca- I caught this the first time, but this is, I know he kills the Corinthian essentially and puts him back in the dream or does whatever he does to him, turns him into a little skull. He ends up driving everyone at the convention mad, doesn't he? Right. I didn't catch that, but he, he just like, you know, because they're all serial killers and he's there. So he just makes them all, you know, crazy. Like well, they're no longer themselves or anything. Well, I was going to say, he, he makes them crazy in the sense that he gives them, uh, you know, sort of sanity and reflection. I'm like, this is what you've done and this is what it's all okay. for. And it's worthless. You guys are like all pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. If you're a, if you're a suka, if you're someone in that that does this, you know, I think they've they figured out psychologically that you're not you don't feel remorse. And all of a sudden to give that person remorse would be just be terrible for that person. I mean, they deserve it. But that, I'm assuming that's what, what happened in this case. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they have no remorse, they have no feelings. But they okay, do now. <laughs> and then he rescues, and then Gilbert shows up and takes Ro. Or Gilbert shows up with Jed, that he found Jed in the trunk of the car. The yep. Corinthian was saving. Oh, oh. <laughs> so messed, so good, so good. Then, <laughs> I call, I yeah. say, so messed up. You're like, oh, so. Good. Yeah. Now, now we're on the home stretch because now we actually figure out what's going on with Rose and all that stuff. This yeah. was kind of a diversion because you get the last two issues and it goes back. Issue 15 goes back to the house where Rose is and Rose goes to sleep. And I was super confused when this first happened. I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Because all of a sudden, it starts showing everybody's dreaming. And they all have some weird dreams, but that's that's dreams, I guess. And <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on at all. Well, here is where Rose comes in. Because Rose is the vortex. And every... I'm, I don't remember if it's once a generation or once a certain number of years a vortex appears and the vortex breaks down the walls of the dreaming. The vortex is a mortal that has the power to absolutely destroy the realm of the dreaming. And this is why everybody in the house's dreams start combining because Rose is there. She's breaking down the boundaries between dreams. And this leads to all sorts of problems. Yeah, this was a really weird, 
um, book for me, like this, this issue, just, I was just so confused for a while until they kind of show what's going on. And like, I didn't get some of the stuff like with the, with the crossdresser and like the fact that he had, you know, wizard of Oz and it's the two different faces. Cause he's two different people, I guess what they were going for. And just like Barbie's dream. Like, again, we'd mentioned earlier, reminds me very much of Narnia. And I was thinking very much of Aslan with the big lion creature she's talking to. And Martin Tenbones. It's, it, it really threw me off until the end of the issue where it starts making more sense when Morpheus shows up and takes her like, and she's in this vortex and they explain what's going on. And again, they do the thing where you'd have to flip the book sideways to read these panels, which I didn't like because I was reading this on a phone. And, but I thought it was cool because if I was reading this, you know, in a book form, it would have been just fine. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. It's, it's funny too. Like Hal's dream is so like, I mean, like that he's got, you know, uh, Marilyn Monroe and Betty Davis and, and uh, Judy Garland. It's like, what's the big secret? It's like, geez, dude, like, come on. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. he wants to be a star. Yeah. That's what they're there to tell him. Yeah. But yeah, so it's, yeah. So she's kind of creating this dream vortex, making all their dreams weirder and like i said she that's the kind of this what matthew and, and dream were talking about is that she's sort of attracting all these crazy characters although we we don't see her friend uh who's there at the serial killer convention we don't see any of his dreams oh okay i didn't yep. catch that yeah we don't see anything from gilbert because gilbert's still awake also gilbert's not there because he went to yep. go get jed out of the hospital yeah well he went to or he went to go he, visit him oh. in the hospital and this is when he meets up with the raven and this is also when you when they he, they tell, he real he fig, he figures out Rose of the vortex and he and then the last line he says is he's going to have to kill her and then it says to be concluded in the last issue, right. which then yeah. brings yep. us to issue sixteen. Yeah, when and Gilbert mentions like I am Fiddler's Green. I'm that's the that's what I was and I became a person, which made no sense to me. And I think and you find <laughs> out the Raven because I I had missed that first page or I didn't it didn't click still to me in that er, in the first issue where. Fiddler's Green is one of the things that he was missing. Mm-hmm. Which Dream pointed out in that first issue. He's like, that, that's I expected from all these other characters because they're all like bad guys. But Fiddler's Green is like really reliable and good. So this is surprising. And I think this is also when you find out that the Raven Matthew was a person that then he got turned into a Raven after he died mm-hmm. or something. Matthew's oh. awesome. You know, that wouldn't <laughs> be a bad way. I, mean, I could be a Raven. I'd be okay with that. Wasn't that in the first series? I can't remember. I can't remember either. It's been I feel like they did talk about Matthew in the first one. I'd have to run back and read it. And, and he's and also, shows... he's another Swamp Thing reference. Yeah, I just confirmed. Ah. So he was Matthew Cable, who was a Swamp Thing character. I need to read Swamp Thing also. <laughs> There's so Guess many what books. we're doing next Spooktober, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with that. We, I mean, we're doing more Sandman before then, but yeah, I'm okay with starting Swamp Thing. I'll eventually finish things. <laughs> 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 and this is shows. Morpheus is in the dream with with Rose. He's telling her he has that he's going to have to kill her to stop the vortex. Otherwise, she's going to destroy everything. And this is when you find out that Gilbert was the metal. You see the metal. So this kind of threw me for a loop where her great grand is not her great, but the grandmother who's been asleep before ends up entering the dream as a young right. woman. Right. Yes. Where she was supposed to be the vortex, I guess, but because of the fact that she was sleeping, she didn't become the vortex is what's happening here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unity was supposed to be the vortex, but because Burgess had imprisoned Sandman for all those years, it never happened. So in an attempt to save her granddaughter, she says, hey, look, Rose wasn't supposed to die. I'm supposed to die and you will take me 
not her. Right. Because she has a line when she first meets Rose. She's like, isn't it funny? Like, I went crazy when I was a little younger than you. <laughs> so it is like foreshadowed that like she hasn't lived as much of a life as Rose has, be- you know, because then she got kind of sucked into the sleep sickness. And then we find out, of course, you know, who the father of the kid is. It makes more sense. Oh, yes. And everything comes back. And this is when she give she pulls out a heart, a gl- looks like a glass heart, which reminds me of the heart from the from the first issue of this. Right. Arc. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But this one's red. And then she puts it inside of her and then she so she becomes the vortex and then he kills her. And you see a scene of her waking up as an old woman and dying, having a heart attack pretty much. Yep. Just pretty much going. And then Morpheus says, your brother's consciousness is going to return. It's a gift. Your family has suffered enough. And goodbye. Yeah. And, and takes... Morpheus and Rose Walker never met again. Well, and take, <laughs> yeah. And takes Unity back to the dream world. Mm-hmm. And then she she wakes up. She's like, oh, what a dream I had. Like, <laughs> And then she's living with her mom and Jed. And I think it's been oh, yeah, six months have passed since this has all happened. And I like how there's a newspaper clipping or something that they have that says six slain in diner of death riddle. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Which is a reference to the first arc. Mm-hmm. It's it's very cool to see. Like, and you finally, after six months, she she you know she dyes her hair. She comes out of the house and she's you know running with Jet. And then you see Morpheus talking to. Is this Desire? Yep. But Desire looks completely different than the Desire that you saw earlier in the in the beginning of this arc and also this one looks like reminds me of Catwoman because she's in a cat costume for some reason and I think I, I like I like all this with Desire and I think he realized that Desire did all this or something yep right so the again, whole plan <laughs> so the doll's house which uh, we didn't mention there was a scene where Unity's like I'm going to give the doll's house to uh, Rose would she like that and we've seen the little figure in the doll's house it was Desire Desire's the one that uh I guess when she was in a coma, which is really creepy, mm-hmm. got her pregnant. I guess not so much a coma as like a waking dream, weird, you know, like not being uh, present. Desire got her pregnant as part of a, a, a what, 60 year scheme, 50 year scheme to try to trick dream into killing his own family, his, his I guess, niece, which would cause yep. the kindly ones to get him. And it didn't quite work. Uh, and Dream is like, don't do that again. That's not cool. Uh, and then does point out like, hey, like, I know you're like just completely alone. And uh, but you don't get that. Like, we're at the mercy of these, you know, all the people that are in this world and all this stuff. And that you're just kind of this, you know, a tool or a doll or whatever. And Desire's like, no, I'm not. I'm not like that at all. <laughs> OK, but then, of course, Dream reminds Desire that uh, they're not strong enough to stand fully against Dream or Death or Destiny, the three eldest of the Endless. And it's basically just, it's a warning that, of course, is important. It's so weird. Oh, Desire. I think I said before, I I really do like the fact that Desire in this is male and female. It can be whatever, because that makes sense. And I I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah, and it's very, uh, you know, the... Looking like uh, the Depeche Mode uh, character or, you know, the Cure or, you know, that that sort of new wave kind yeah. of uh, look a lot of the time, especially when it's an androgynous guy desire. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's I mean, it, it's a really fun book. And this is, you know, I think it's it's such an interesting story because Dream is in a lot of ways, not a very likable character. <laughs> no, not really. And, and so so much of the book is kind of about like Dream. I wouldn't say becoming a person, but sort of becoming a better version of himself, like, you know, uh, whatever you would call like self-actualization or whatever, where he's kind of like looking back at his, you know, even the stuff he's done in the past. And he's like, man, I could be a real because he's he's very he can be very um, like we're just going to do this, uh, you know, very, I guess, regal. Uh, where he just mm-hmm. makes a decision and he doesn't care like who gets hurt by it or what happens. And so one of the sort of through lines of this you know, story is kind of how being apart from his dream world has kind of changed him. And, you know, he's kind of going through this whole thing where he's kind of growing, which is, I think, very cool. So you do see him sort of becoming more of, you know, kind of a character uh, at the end of the second arc versus sort of when you see flashbacks before the first arc, you know, before the first volume where he's kind of a huge asshole. Yeah. He's, he's gotten too wrapped up in himself as one of the endless. And part of the reason that I think the sound of her wings was included at the beginning of this is that particular story is considered by a lot of people to be the beginning of dream exploring his humanity on that journey that he takes with death to understand the fragility of life and it what it is to enjoy the time that you have. Yeah, okay. and like I said, that's the part that I guess reminds me of like Hades, where it's like all about kind of secretly uh, kind of growing up and becoming a better person, even if you're in this sort of loop that seems inescapable, which Dream is clearly in. Yeah, and like the whole the whole through line of the Sandman series is pretty much dreams journey and all the characters that show up in this book, like the main characters, you will see them again. Obviously Matthew shows up in a lot of books, Lucian, Abel, Rose Walker comes back later. Barbie comes back later. Uh, Lita's son, Daniel plays an extremely important part in the later stories of Sandman. This lays so much groundwork for the future stories that happen in this series. But at the same time, it's also a very singular thing. We never get another volume like this. Right. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's really, there's so much up that a lot of times it can be very, like, unsatisfying if you you feel like, you know, if you have a whole issue that's nothing but set up. And that first issue at the house kind of was a little bit of, I wouldn't say too much, but there's a lot of setup dumped on you uh, when Rose, which I guess is the second issue of the, you know, where they're actually the doll's house proper. But it never feels like, oh, this is just setting up future stories like it's it's weaving it back and forth. And even like the Hobbs stuff like that's like I said, it's it's an effective you're creating suspense by waiting 30 days and being like, what's going to happen with the serial, you know, the, with this kid that got out of the frying pan and into the fire with the serial killers. And then, you know, a month passes and you pick up the next issue of Sandman and it has nothing to do with that. But it's, but I, it's in purpose of a larger story. And the cool thing about the hop thing is that it does kind of show how important death is. So then when you have this story talking about death and how one person shirks it all and his rise and fall throughout the ages and then immediately cut back to a serial killer convention where all there is is death. It's a really great like this is, you know, death is really important. And to prove it, here's people that don't take it seriously at all. Yeah, like it's it's, it's 
really interesting. I love the way they do that. And they'll like all of these side stories in Sandman do have a purpose. And it usually has to do with a larger narrative arc within that chunk of collection. Yeah, it's like I said, it's really it, it seems very like facile to be like uh, Sandman. Good. Uh, but it's it's really incredible. They're like he he manages to take so much of like DC continuity of like, oh, you've got Carter Hall, you've got uh, Jack Kirby's Sandman, you've got Swamp Thing, you've got Constantine. And he's clearly like he's like, I want to play in this space where all these characters are, uh, which is kind of the, you know, the cool thing, you know, about the the idea of a shared universe is the idea of like, oh, wow, like this is the same world that this guy lives in. So it's it's very cool to to see him do that. And then at the same time, have this like, you know, over this epic thing that's tying all this stuff together. It's it's very cool. And you even get like larger characters, too. Like in the first collection, Jonathan Crane shows up the scarecrow like they continue. It's not just like these smaller one off like bronze and golden age characters that you see. You know, there are more popular characters that come in later during the stories as well. And Neil Gaiman just kind of pulls from whatever he can and props to DC really for giving him the ability to just, I'm going to take this and I'm going to take this and I'm going to do something over here. And they were like, yeah, all right, cool. Like you hear it a lot when people are like, oh, you can't make books like this anymore. (laughs) And I think this is really one where you can't make a book like this anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's so much that, they'd be like oh we can't touch this or or, this upsets our plans we might have for this uh but the good thing about it is you know because they had done the uh, crisis on infinite earths they had dc had a bunch of stuff that was just dead like that they were basically like (laughs) look we don't care what happens to prez the youngest president like this character (laughs) is over so when sandman introduces prez of all characters uh for an issue you're like what it's it's very cool that they and they they do let him you know he doesn't do that much with like superman or batman but that's like to me, I feel like that would just be like a marketing stunt kind of crossover. Like there's no reason for Sandman to meet Batman. No. Um, but it's it's like it, everything feels like it's in the service of the greater story he's telling when he's like, oh, I can use this stuff from, you know, this horror introduction uh, characters, Cain and Abel. I can use this, uh, you know, Swamp Thing character that, that died. And, and work them into a, a bigger thing. Like, it's it's very cool. And, like, that's the idea of, like I said, what people love about, you know, and I know there's a lot of, like, backlash now that there's so many comic book movies. But the cool thing is that, you know, the idea that, like, oh, could, you know, what if Rambo and RoboCop were in the same world, you know, and they ran into each other? Like, that's just a cool idea. Like, you have so much investment in those characters. And so the idea, like, oh, they could run into each other? That would be neat. Um, You know, what if aliens and predators were there? You know, like, it's... (laughs) I know know that (laughs) didn't turn out into great movies. But it's the idea that, you know, uh, you... that people have where they're just like i like both of these things it would be richer and better for me if if the things lived together and everyone could you know bounce off each other like i think it's a cool idea so yeah like i said sandman thumbs up yeah and it's not only the dc world that this crosses over into this crosses over a lot into our history into the world history i mean you get you know people like i don't know caesar augustus shows up 
Right. <laughs> and you, we already talked about uh, Shakespeare and Marlowe and Chaucer showing up, but you get like Marco Polo and Thomas Paine. Like these are real life people that are woven into the world of the dreaming. And they're all storytellers of a sort. It's awesome. I just love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Any last things to say about this arc before we go to Shelf Stackerbox? I think we covered just about everything. I feel like we did. Yeah, I feel like okay. we did. And yeah. I'll, and I'll start Shelf Stackerbox. So shelf, um, shelf means something you really like. Stack means something you're, you like, but you're, you know, don't want to put on the shelf. And box means something you dislike. Well, for this... I did enjoy this. It's going to go in the stack, though, because it didn't like it didn't jump out at me as much as I feel like the first issue did or the first set. But I still enjoyed it, even though I had no idea what the hell was going on half the time. But that's probably part of the fun of this story. I I still really enjoyed it. I'm glad that I finally read it after all this time that I'm finally because it's been I looked it up. It was 2019 the last time I we did the first Sandman comic. And yeah, so like I said, two years ago, and I was like, damn, (laughs) it's been a long time that I read more Sandman. And this really got me to want to read more. Like, I'm definitely going to check out more in, and do it on the show in the coming months, not two years. So this is going to stack. I'm really glad we read it. God, it was fucked up. I, I didn't think they could top. They didn't top the diner scene because that was more fucked up than the serial convention. But this was still messed up, too. So but I'm glad I read it. How about you, Kenneth? Oh, this is absolutely going on my shelf. I don't think anybody who's listened to me talk at all is surprised. <laughs> this is out of. I love the Sandman books, but out of all of them, this might be my favorite and the one that I go back to all the time. It's just, I'm quite a fan of the Tom Cruise-ness of the Corinthian. I like the story of Hop Gadling in this. I like the story of uh, Morpheus and Nada. And it's just thematically, this is a very satisfying book for me. Absolutely going to be on my shelf. Okay. And how about you, Chris? I, I agree. I would I would put it on my shelf. I might I might stack the Corinthian. I, I, I think that character can be a bit too much sometimes. But yes, and there is I mean, this isn't, you know, uh, if you're recommending this to a new reader, like just be aware sure. there's a lot of like upsetting imagery and stuff that uh, I wouldn't give to somebody who's not a teenager, <laughs> like mature readers only, mm-hmm. which I mean, I read this at like 14, which is probably a little too young, but it's fine. That's not what ruined my my life. (laughs) So, yeah, but I I really like it uh, uh, for all the reasons that have already been talked about. I think that in a way, like, you know, we mentioned there's like a Sandman series coming out and like a a whole thing. Like to me, this is where I would just start. Like the first volume is fine, but I don't really like it as much. I feel like it leans too much into the horror. There's so much. And I, I mean, I don't dislike it. But there's so much like kind of setting stuff up. It's kind of an issue zero that takes a long time to get there, which is a little unfair. I don't think it's a, completely like a, a prologue. But this is to me when it really starts getting good is is this uh, storyline. So so definitely something I would put on my shelf. OK, so I'm the odd one out in this case. <laughs> well, we can't always all be right. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> like, just not. Uh, and. If you enjoyed this and you want to hear our, other, our first Sandman episode, uh, comic number four. You have to scroll through all our entire catalog on Podbean, but it's there if you want to hear what we thought of the first one, which you should. I mean, you, you can read this without knowing. You can, yeah, either way, we spelled everything. It doesn't matter, but still, still read it. And Chris, where can people find you at? 
I have a couple of podcasts. I have uh, the uh, comic book book club uh, podcast uh, called Some of My Friends Read Comics, where uh, twice a month we go through and talk about a we have a long read we do and then we uh, review a shorter the idea was always to do kind of classic stuff that uh, maybe one of us hadn't read before but now it's kind of whatever we want to do because we've been doing it for a long time and then I also have your stupid minds it's a bad movie podcast it's once a month right now Uh, we've got almost 200 episodes of that Uh, So if there is a bad movie that you are interested in, it's pretty evergreen as far as you can go and listen to us uh, make jokes over it and kind of go through it in a uh, funny way as a vehicle for jokes. So I do that with uh, my friend Nick Noble and I do uh, some of my friends read comics with Kia and Vince. And Vince has been on the show at the time you're hearing this should be twice. Yep. And and he's been on your stupid minds as well. He he did (laughs) a, uh, a James Bond episode. Ooh. Which movie did you guys do? <laughs> it's so hard to remember James Bond titles. Uh, we did the one, it was a Roger Moore James Bond, uh, one that people generally like, but Vince thought it was, it's a little too silly, I think, for him. Uh, that's a bunch of the Roger Moore ones. Yes, they're all very silly. Liver Let Die is a good one. I can't, I don't, I'm I'm more of the Sean Con- I know all the Sean Connery ones. I know most of the Roger Moore, but I can't think of all of them offhand, but yeah, there's some odd ones. You did The Spy Who Loved Me? <laughs> See, I was like, I couldn't remember the title, but yeah, that's a pretty good movie. Yeah, I thought I thought it was fun, Uh, but yeah, I am uh, shocked. Vince wanted to cover it for our bad movie podcast. Look, we we cover lots of movies on our podcast. We enjoy, so don't think it's an indictment of the quality of the movie. Could you? Yeah, because there's some bad. I mean, if you want to pick one of the bad ones, do like Moonraker or something that's just completely out there. Or yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like Die Another Day, much worse movie. You cover the entire Atlas Shrugged trilogy. <laughs> yes, yes. So if, if you want uh, our, if you want us to talk about politics, we've done God's Not Dead Two, the entire Atlas Shrugged trilogy. Uh, we've done a lot of movies that that get a little more political, and we are not. Uh, we are again. This is a comedy podcast, so we're not like, well, we agree with this. Oh Steve <laughs> Ditko was right. <laughs> oh. And if you want to help out this podcast, if there's a little as a dollar, you can go on our Patreon and vote in our Patreon poll that we have each month. I don't know what it is because I'm recording this ahead of time. So go go there anyway. There'll be something to vote on, I promise, because I have to do that. So definitely go check that out. And go check out both of Chris's podcasts. You will see a link in the show notes. And want to give a shout out to our awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Bobby, a.k.a. Mike Tony from ZP, Bite the Bullet, Song of the Cool Kid Squad. Definitely go check him out. You see a link in the show notes. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube. No video, because I don't do video. But you can hear our voices if you are listening to your podcast on YouTube. We can be found wherever podcasts can be found. If you are trying to find the whole catalog, uh, go to Podbean, because other things cut off after 100, and I, and I publish so much stuff. So, yeah, go to Podbean. Everything's on Podbean or Podcast Addict. One of the other ones, you'll find all our back catalog if you're wondering why stuff is missing from a certain point. Because some people message me and say, why can't I find this? Yeah, because I publish too much. So that's why. So definitely go do that. And I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Sleep well. (laughs) 